The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at lesliemarshallshow.com. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show, everyone. Uh, my name is Sabrina Calazans, and I'm the Managing Director here at the Student Debt Crisis Center. And this is the SDCC takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. There is a lot to discuss here today. Um, we're going to be talking about the return to repayment, the new SAVE plan, and a lot of other topics related to student loans. Um, today, I'm here with SDCC's President and Founder, Natalia Abrams, and our senior policy advisor, Spencer Dixon. Thank you so much for being here, Natalia and Spencer. How are you both? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, doing <clears throat> doing well, Sabrina. And uh, thank you for joining us for your first time and hopefully not last time, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely want you around, Spencer. Um, if you don't know us at Student Debt Crisis Center, we are a national organization and we center the needs and voices of borrowers and we partner with allies to impact public policy and end the student debt crisis. And if you wanna learn more about our work that we do at SDCC and read through borrower stories, you can visit our website at studentdebtcrisis.org or you can find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at atdebtcrisis.org. Um, as I mentioned at the top, we have a lot to discuss today, but for the folks who might've missed our last show, which was a while ago, it feels like. Let's bring everyone up to speed on what's been going on. So Natalia, I'll kick things off to you and then Spencer, feel free to jump in as well. Yeah, so, you know, I think the one good thing about when we spoke to you all, you're right, it was a long time, Sabrina. I believe it was in August. Payment still had not yet come on. Um, interest was, you know, began to accrue in September. And unfortunately, with all of the fighting from so many wonderful advocacy groups, uh, we did lose that uh, via the debt ceiling over the summer, and so student loan payments have been turned back on. Um, you should have received a bill from your loan servicer, or you can go to studentaid.gov, but you know, you're, you're going to hear that a lot during this hour, that student loan payments have been turned on, or federal student loan payments have been turned on, and borrowers are expected to make a payment um, this <clears throat> this month. And then also, uh, negotiated rulemaking, which we talked about in the last show, had not taken place yet. That has gotten started, and we're going to talk about um, the next phase in negotiated rulemaking, all of the repayment information that you need to know, um, and a lot more. Sabrina? Well, thank you for that recap. I know that was very helpful. Um, and as you said, student loan payments have resumed. A lot of us have received our bills or have already made those payments. Um, both Spencer and myself are, are borrowers, and so I know that I went through that process. Spencer, I imagine you went through that process. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like for you and what you've been hearing from other borrowers? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for myself, I enrolled in an income-driven repayment plan during a period of unemployment. I think like a lot of folks um, early on in the pandemic, um, so I personally still have a $0 payment, which I'm really grateful for, but I know that's not the case for a lot of people. Um, my own personal student loan story is, is a bit of a complicated one, which also for many borrowers is true. And I had to call my student loan servicer to follow up on a request that I had made 
back in early to mid-August, I was told I would hear back on my request in um, about two bit, two weeks. Um, having not heard anything, um, I followed back up um, and was on and off hold for four hours, uh, which gosh. was certainly uh, Ugh, gosh. frustrating. I'm sorry, just four hours. That's yeah. a lot. And again, this isn't unique, sadly, either. Right, Spencer? Right. It, it's not unique. This is um, an unprecedented time. And um, there's certainly inherently, um, you know, tens of millions of borrowers returning to be payment to repayment. And so um, on the one hand, that's the context. But on the other, we knew this was coming. The servicers knew this was coming. So it's really disappointing that uh, many of them did not take the proper preparations and staffing up required to prepare for that. Um, I should say, you know, my situation was especially complicated. Um, not everyone's going to be on hold for four hours. And if you do need to contact your servicer to learn information about programs or to get, to get enrolled um, or to make sure that you're squared away, would definitely still encourage you to do that and hope that you're not on hold for, for uh, four hours. But, you know, it, it is certainly disappointing um, that the servicers were not prepared um, for, for repayment. Um, and, you know, in my case, uh, it was frustrating to learn that the request that I had put in back in August had just been canceled and I had not been notified whatsoever that it had been canceled. Yeah. Uh, and so I had to follow up. I had to resubmit the request. Um, and we'll see. It's been two and a half weeks. Um, I actually got an email back from my servicer in response to an email I sent back in August. So a two month response time on emails too is, is something that we're seeing. So it's not great. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's disappointing. It's a disservice to borrowers. Um, but if you have to contact your servicer, would still encourage you to do so. Definitely. And I know that. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry to interject Sabrina, but Spencer, it, Phil, you said something really important at the beginning of your story, which is that you had locked in a $0 payment in the middle of the pandemic. Um, can you talk a bit about how some folks may not want to recertify right away, like in your, which right. is similar to your case? Right. That that's a great point. So, um, in my case, I am still enrolled in the pay as you earn plan. There are four income driven repayment plans through uh, federal student aid, and generally speaking, the most um, generous plan is the save plan, and. I intend to enroll in that, but not until I have to, because for me, I am locked in to a $0 payment for an additional year. So, um, you know, if I were to go and enroll in SAVE, I would have a non-zero payment. And so for my specific case, I'm waiting until I have to recertify until I need to. And that's going to be the case for a lot of borrowers. If you signed up for an income-driven repayment plan, at a moment of, of lower income or unemployment, and for a lot of folks that happened during the pandemic, it's actually going to be better for you to, to sit tight, stay where you are, uh, and then when the time comes to go through your annual recertification process, that's when you know we encourage you to look at your options. And for many borrowers, the new SAVE plan is going to be the best bet. Yeah, and I know we're, we're discussing the SAVE plan and, and talking about how beneficial it is for some folks, but Natalia, can you jump in and talk a little bit about what it is, what is a safe plan, who it benefits most, what folks should yeah. know about it? Absolutely. And Spencer addressed this a bit 
of income-driven repayment programs. So typically, when you go into student loan repayment, they're going to base your payment off of the size of the loan. And instead, these there are repayment options that will base it on your income. So naturally, these programs are going to work the best for lower income folks or folks with really high balances. Then we can then we see these programs work. So SAVE, which stands for Saving on a Valuable Education, always love those good government program names, <laughs> that, uh, that is an income-driven repayment program, but that was announced last year. It was kind of buried under the headlines when because we were thinking we were getting cancellation, but it is by far one of the most generous repayment programs out there. I will say as an advocate, if we would have seen this program five or seven years ago, we would have been over the moon. But as advocates, we've moved much further than this and still are fighting very hard for debt cancellation. But we know that if you're a student loan borrower listening right now, you're possibly freaking out about having to make a payment. And there is an opportunity to have a $0 payment if you're making $0. That's where these repayment programs are really great for low-income folks, for families of four that make $60,000 or under. Anyone who makes $15 an hour or less than $30,000 a year will also see a $0 payment. And for undergraduate borrowers, these payments will be cut in half July 1st of next year. So there's actually more to the program next year, um, July 1st, that you can take um, advantage of. I think we have some time. Spencer, do you want to talk a little bit just quickly about how if you have, have original loan balance under 12000 with the SAVE plan? That's right. So the save plan brings some forgiveness to, excuse me, some flexibility to the forgiveness part of income-driven repayment plans. Under the other three plans, um, you have to be in repayment for 20 or 25 years, regardless of your um, loan balance, which means for folks that have a relatively low or moderate loan balance, let's say um, $10,000, you'd have to be in repayment for that whole amount of time, 20 or 25 years, even, even compared to someone who has, let's say, $200,000. And so um, the forgiveness, the, the flexibility that's provided to that under SAVE is, uh, allows for a shorter repayment period. So for those um, at 12,000 original loan balance, that's the amount that your took out originally. Let's get back um, to this. Sorry to cut you off. Lots more to talk about. Very short. <laughs> Yeah, stay with us. This is the SDCC takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. There's lots more to discuss. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Natalia Abrams, and I'm joined by Student Debt Crisis Center's Managing Director, Sabrina Calazans, and our Senior Policy uh, Advisor, excuse me, Spencer Dixon. And today we are taking over for Leslie Marshall and discussing rec recent updates of the student in the student debt space. Um, as a reminder, you can always find us at studentdebtcrisis.org or on social media X. Facebook, Instagram, all handles at debt crisis org. 
And just to complete what we were talking about before the break, Spencer, we were talking a bit about folks who have a, an original loan balance. That means a balance that was 12, excuse me, that means the balance you took out was originally that amount, not the interest that accrued over 5, 10, 30 years of repayment. Less than $12,000 for undergraduate loans could see their debt gone by next July. Is that correct, Spencer? That's right. Starting next summer, there's going to be some flexibility on the number of years that you need to be in repayment in order to get forgiveness. And it drops in half from 20 to 10 years if you have undergraduate debt only, if your original loan balance was 12000 or less. And as you noted, that was the amount that you originally took out when you were in school. And there's basically a sliding scale from the 12000 up to about 22000 um, that requires an additional year of repayment for each 1000 um, taken out. Uh, but the good news is the bottom line, it provides some flexibility to what used to be a very rigid system, and, and it's going to provide forgiveness to many, many more borrowers uh, on a quicker timeline. And Sabrina, before we get into you know uh, some other points, I want to you asked me about the SAVE program, and another thing that I wanted to bring up about the SAVE program that's a really big deal for bar student loan borrowers is that the federal government is going to pay any of the unpaid interest. So that means that if you have a $0 payment and you accrue $150 of interest, they're gonna pay that for you. And so you should not see your balance go up. I say should, because we're already seeing some problems, just like Spencer's wait times and you know other problems, but we have been told that even if you see that, it will be retroactively removed, um, any of the, unpaid interest that started since October of this year, October of 2023. Yes. Um, you know, one of the biggest concerns that we hear from folks is, you know, I took out 30,000, but my balance today is 60,000 because of capitalized interest. And so it's just very frustrating for folks to continuously make their payments, but to still see their balance grow. And so SAVE affords this opportunity for folks to not see that balance grow in an astronomical way because of that interest. And so for a lot of people, it is gonna be something that is encouraging to not see that. Um, it'll help um, for sure. And so we're we're happy to see that. Um, but I also want to um, flag a program for folks um, where there's no action required, but it's called the on-ramp. We have heard from people who said that they cannot afford their monthly payment, and we completely understand that. Um, and so the Department of Education has instituted this grace period, this 12-month on-ramp to repayment, essentially, which began running on October 1st and through um, September 2024. And so essentially, if you miss a payment, if you cannot afford your payment, you will not fall into delinquency or default. So essentially, it's meant to protect folks and you will not be reported to credit bureaus um, or referred to debt collection agencies. Um, the downside to this is that it does not count towards public service loan forgiveness or income-driven repayment credits. And so on one hand, it could be really helpful for folks. And on another hand, it will, you know, be a little bit less helpful, but still it will prevent you from falling into default, from having debt collected and all of that. So it is something that folks can take advantage of. No action is required on your end. You're all set to go, um, which is great to see these changes. Um, and, you know, I feel from talking to so many borrowers this past month, and it's been a wild month, 
um, for sure in terms of like how much work and how many borrowers we've been speaking with. I, I found that so many borrowers didn't even know payments restarted, even though we've been trying to, to tell them that's where the on-ramp period has been helpful, that you're not necessarily in, quote, delinquency status. Um, you have a little bit of that grace period. But I will say that if, especially if you're low income or can get that $0 payment, I encourage enrolling in SAVE because if it, if it were me, I wouldn't want to rack up that interest. And you're still racking up the interest. And that can be, you know, that is second to cancellation. Every time we pull our members, the biggest issue that borrowers have. And with all of, you know, the borrowers reaching out to us and so many folks wanting to get information at SCCC, we've been doing a lot of work to get the word out, um, whether it's for our own supporters um, and for other organizations. I mean, there's a lot of folks on, on strike. We were able to do a workshop for folks um, who are members of the SAG-AFTRA um, Foundation. And so that was really cool to be able to help out those folks who are on strike, who a lot of folks are not working. And so to be able to help inform them about locking in that $0 payment through SAVE um, has been really great. We also pr provided a workshop for an immigration network um, employees. And so we've been doing a lot of work on, on our end and doing a workshop series, which can be found on our YouTube channel, um, just about all of the programs that are available. Because as we've been saying, there's just a lot that has been happening, a lot of programs that are available to folks, and we want to get the word out. Thank you for that, Sabrina. And I think, you know, just hearing all the different groups, you know, that I know we've worked with, it speaks to the fact that, that like, so many people can get this help, right? It's, it's in the past, like, during the uh, pandemic, a lot of the work we were doing was with public service workers, and a lot of the new pro or new programming or new policy, a better word for that, was around public service loan forgiveness. The SAVE program is for all borrowers. Um, well, Let's correct that. It's for all borrowers with direct loans. Um, so if you have an older loan, you may need to consolidate. Um, I think it's great, Sabrina, that you brought up our YouTube page because this can be confusing. I'm assuming if you're just listening to us on the radio or watching us um, on the live stream. And we, I really encourage you, Spencer, uh, can you just speak quickly to the series you did? Because I think I'm so happy we finally have it broken down a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So on our YouTube page, you can find um, a series of three workshops where we break down student loans from A to Z. Uh, it's 101, 201, and 301. And, and as you can imagine, each series, each workshop builds on the other. So if you are just totally confused, you don't know what type of loan you have, um, you could start at 101 and get the basics, get the foundations of, of student loans. Um, then we cover you know, some of the updates, go into detail of save, um, talk about some of the new flexibilities to uh, PSLF, uh, and we end by talking about all of these pathways to forgiveness. Um, whether you are working for a government or a nonprofit and can be eligible for public service loan forgiveness, uh, and if you've, you've never started that process, it's not too late. You, you can apply for that at any time. Or if you're outside of that employment, you could still have um, benefits through income-driven repayment forgiveness um, that's available to everyone. And as we talked about, that can be as, as short as 10 minutes, uh, 10 years, or 25. We have all that <laughs> for you. Yeah, we'll take this up after the break. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. 
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Sabrina Calazan, Natalia Abrams, and Spencer Dixon, and we are from the Student Debt Crisis Center. Earlier on, we discussed how the federal student loan payment pause came to an end after more than three years, and folks have been experiencing issues along the way. And so now we're about to get wonky, and we're going to shift gears a bit and talk about some of the tips and tricks that might be helpful, especially for parents and for folks who used to work in public service. So Spencer, you are our policy wonk, so I'm going to toss it over to you to talk about these programs. All right. Thank you, Sabrina. And for those driving, buckle up if you aren't already, because we are about to get wonky. So I'm going to talk about uh, two topics that really get into the weeds. Uh, the first is a loophole called double consolidation loophole. Uh, and then I'll end by talking about uh, some new updated changes to the PSLF program. So double consolidation loophole. Uh, so this is for Parent PLUS loan borrowers. It's important to know that Parent PLUS loans are treated differently than other student loans. In order to be eligible um, for even the least generous of the four income-driven repayment programs, ICR, borrowers must consolidate their Parent PLUS loans. However, ICR is by far the plan that has the highest monthly payment other than the standard plan. Normally, Parent PLUS loans and consolidation loans containing at least, parent, at least one Parent PLUS loan cannot, by law, be repaid under the newest and cheapest repayment plan, SAVE. It's tragic. Congress should change the law, but given the current makeup, uh, that's, that's unlikely. But there is a loophole that unlocks your eligibility that we're going to talk about now. By consolidating your Parent PLUS loan twice, the servicers are no longer able to tell that the loan contains a Parent PLUS loan. Corey, Corey Turner at NPR has done some great reporting on this issue, and I'm going to borrow an analogy that he's used. Consolidating a Parent PLUS loan once is like laying a rug over a hardwood floor. The education department and its loan servicers can see the rug, the newly consolidated loan, but they can also see the hardwood, the Parent PLUS loan underneath. But when you consolidate a loan twice, it's like laying wall-to-wall -wall carpet all over. Servicers can no longer tell what's beneath, and you are then able to repay that double consolidated loan under the SAVE program, saving you hundreds, if not potentially thousands of dollars per month. So this is called the double consolidation loophole. It's a loophole because it is a workaround and not the intended policy of the federal government because unless Congress changes the law, Parent PLUS loans can only be paid back through ICR, as I mentioned. I'm not gonna get into all the details of how to apply for this. Um, you can learn more about it on SDCC's YouTube page. Um, it's actually under our first uh, of the series 101 because it's under the consolidation topic. Um, but I would also encourage borrowers with Parent PLUS loans who are interested in pursuing this to just search online for Parent PLUS loan double consolidation NPR. Uh, a shout out to, to them. Uh, they really have done some good coverage on this and they're a trusted resource. Um, and on their page, you're going to find links to step-by-step -step instructions on how to pursue this. I'll end by making a note that um, you really should check out those instructions. It's really crucial to follow every piece of those written instructions that are found online, including a link to the Massachusetts Attorney General 
who has listed out some of those um, instructions online, another trusted resource, uh, because getting these, um, these details, the instructions is really important in order to be able to benefit from that. So the TLDR, uh, is if you've got a parent, if you've got at least uh, one parent plus loan and another type of loan, you have to have at least two loans. Um, you're going to be able to go through this process. Go ahead and search that online, find those written instructions, and play very, pay very close attention to them, uh, and and you'll be in good shape. And you can always reach out to SDCC through social or or email, uh, and we can try to provide some guidance as well. Uh, How's that? I think I was able to manage to. That to was get great, that and you're doing great on time. <laughs> that was great. that's impressive, Spencer. Yes, and I think you're absolutely right. It's so great. NPR has talked about this. Um, the one thing is there a deadline for this quote loophole? Right. That that's a great question. So um, this, as the name suggests, this is a loophole. Um, you're not going to be able to get um, any guidance from the servicers and certainly not the federal government because, again, it's sort of a violation of the law, but it's 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 not on the borrower's part. It, it just can't be something that the government talks about. Um, but they did institute a deadline of when this is going to expire, um, which I believe is the summer of 2025. Um, so you do have some time, but I would encourage folks to do that as soon as possible. Great. That was really, really helpful, Spencer. Thank you for breaking that down. It's very complex, but you did a great job. Um, we're also hearing about this new development called the PSLF, or Public Service Loan Forgiveness Buyback. Can you talk a little bit about that and what those changes have been? Absolutely. So um, for those that have been following student loans, uh, even a little bit, you may have seen there's been a lot of changes of, in the PSLF program, but a lot they all pretty, pretty much fall under the umbrella of providing flexibilities to the program. And these flexibilities allow the original intent of the program to be fulfilled by providing forgiveness to more public servants. The PSLF buyback is about helping borrowers who have worked at least 120 uh, months for a qualifying employer, which is a government at any level or a 501c3 nonprofit, so they've worked for 120 months, but they didn't necessarily make 120 qualifying payments during all of those months. And that could be because they were in deferment or forbearance. Um, just a side note, the um, payment pause during the pandemic, uh, as long as you were working for an employer, those do fully count as credit. So we're talking about um, forbearances and deferments outside of the payment pause. And so under this new policy, you can buy back months during which your loan was with uh, was in that that deferment or forbearance. Uh, a couple statuses that do not qualify, just to um, make sure that folks are aware, um, in-school deferment, uh, the grace period, the six months after graduation, if you're in you were in default or bankruptcy. Um, or you were pursuing total and permanent disability uh, monitoring. Um, all of those uh, still do not qualify, um, but if it was regular deferment or forbearance, you're gonna be able to go back and purchase essentially those credits. And, and what I mean by purchase is um, you are basically retroactively making those payments. Um, and, and what this is for is for folks who are basically really close to getting that forgiveness. They're, they're, they would have gotten forgiveness had they made all these payments during all of those times, and this flexibility allows them to go back, 
make those payments retroactively. And at the end of the process, um, they should be getting that full forgiveness under PSLF. And I would just plug that all of this information uh, is available at studentaid.gov. Uh, just search for PSLF buyback and, and click on the studentaid.gov link. That's you know a trusted resource, and you'll be able to find information about this new flexibility and how to apply. Great job. Um, Give yourself a pat on the back, Spencer. Yeah, all of that was great. And studentaid.gov, we, we do these workshops all the time. That should be your best friend or worst enemy, but when it comes to repayment, right? Um, so that's a really important. Serena? Well, I was going to say, this sounds like it might be able to help a lot of retirees, folks who previously worked in PSLF but might not benefit from the adjustment. Can you talk a little bit about that, Spencer? Well, why don't we That's talk about right. that when we come back, Sabrina? Oh, I think we have a little bit of time, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yes, definitely, um, that is going to help retirees. Um, the double consolidation is going to help a lot of parents who have reached out to us talking about how they want to enroll and save or enroll in another plan. And so this is going to help a lot of folks. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, I encourage folks to take a look at studentaid.gov. You can find your um, loan types on there. You can find all of that information that you need to know whether or not this applies to you. So definitely take a look there. Um, I believe when we come back from the break, we are gonna be discussing um, our recent survey findings. This is something that we have been doing throughout the pandemic. We've been you know, communicating with borrowers, putting them front and center, and just hearing about what their experiences have been like for a lot of people after three and a half years going back into repayment was just really, really tough. Um, we know that cost of living and inflation and a lot of things are hurting people's pockets. And so to have to make that payment again has been tough for folks. But borrowers have done their part. And now we are calling on accountability for servicers to make sure that they're doing what is right on behalf of borrowers. And so there is still a lot to discuss here. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about those serving fi survey findings. But again, Spencer, thank you so much for doing that walkthrough of all of this. This is, again, really wonky stuff. And as you said, please go to our YouTube channel, um, Student Debt Crisis Center, and you'll be able to find all of our workshop series listed, previous PSLF um, videos, and all of that. And so thank you all. Please stick with us. We'll be back after this short break. This is the SDCC takeover of The Leslie Marshall Show. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Natalia from the Student Debt Crisis Center. And I'm joined by Student Debt Crisis Center's Sabrina Calazans and Spencer Dixon. And we are taking over today for Leslie Marshall, as Leslie will say, not a hostile takeover. Um, we've been discussing a lot today about student loans, um, the problems with repayment, how you can enter into a repay repayment plan if you are scared of that number that you're seeing just to want to remind folks from what we talked about before, go to studentaid.gov for all of your student loan concerns. 
Uh, and Sabrina was bringing up before the break that we ran a survey that's something we do here at Student Debt Crisis Center is survey our 2 million supporters. And we had over, I believe, 15, 17,000 people take this last survey. Sabrina, can you just kind of give us some top lines of what the, what the survey survey results were? Yeah, so we we were able to survey over 17,000 people and the numbers, some of them are shocking and some of them are not shocking. I mean, some of the numbers include three out of four borrowers who contacted their loan servicer in the last two months reported that their issue was unresolved. Unfortunately, that is unsurprising. We've been hearing those trends happening time and time again. Almost half of borrowers have reduced their discretionary spending to prepare for payments. About a quarter of federal student loan borrowers are not sure what types of loans they have. Nearly half of borrowers predict that they will be struggling to make their monthly payments in the next six months. And more than a quarter of borrowers don't know how to prepare for payments or starting. So a lot of numbers you know, that we can look at here, but what I'm seeing or the trends that I'm seeing is that borrowers, they might not know how to prepare, but they were starting to take action, right? We see folks starting to cut that um, or reduce their discretionary spending, trying to prepare for those monthly payments. But they tried to contact their servicer. They tried to do their part, but their servicer didn't resolve their issue or they didn't hear from their servicer or whatever the issue was. Borrowers have done their part. And so we need the Department of Education and servicers to step in and make sure that they're doing theirs because borrowers have been harmed time and time again. And we need to put them front and center and end the student debt crisis. Well said, Sabrina, and not to put you on the spot again, but I know Spencer shared his journey back into repayment. And I know from just working with you that you're one of those borrowers that never made a payment prior to the pandemic. You graduated school, you went into your deferment. Can you talk about, because I feel like you did everything right. And can you talk about what happened and your journey into repayment in the past few months? Yeah, so I think it was probably mid to end of August. I um, applied for the SAVE plan and went through that process. Thankfully, I have you and Spencer and so many other experts that we work with that I can always lean on to help answer questions. And so I was able to get through that. And then a few weeks later, I got a notification that I was being placed into an administrative forbearance. I wasn't sure why. I had received emails from other folks saying the same thing. They were being placed in a forbearance and weren't sure why. And so there's just a lot of things that was happening along the way where I was fortunate and privileged to be able to ask these questions to you all directly. But for so many folks along the way, they don't know what's going on or they never even heard from their servicer. And so luckily for me, I was able to then be removed from that administrative forbearance and be able to make my payment. But that's not always the case for, for other borrowers. And so I have just been thinking about that. Um, my dad had to make his student loan payment for his Parent PLUS loan. And so helped him to navigate um, that. He couldn't apply for a save, but he was able to make his payment. And then my sister, who graduated this year, she has her payment coming up this month, but was able to enroll her in save. And she was able to lock in a $0 payment. And so it's been a process for me, and I imagine so many other families out there. Um, Sudanade.gov is helpful, um, but there's still bumps that come up along the way. You know, I think your story, I think you're wonderfully unique, Sabrina, but your story is not, right? Like we're seeing this happen to so many families. It just really strikes me that it was your father, your sister, and yourself, right? That's three payments that you've been, have, t have had turned off for three and a half years. And that's a quite a big hit uh, to the family as a whole, I would assume. 
Right, right. We talk about student debt being an intergenerational issue and how it impacts so many different generations, but oftentimes it's within the same household and we don't talk about that um, so much, but it does impact everyone in the family. And especially with, you know, being tough financial times for folks, it is a struggle to go back into repayment. And so I encourage everyone to take a look at what is the best plan for them and for their family. Spencer, um, what, like, we're just saying a lot of, you know, wonky terms. I appreciate it in the last segment that you talked about, you know, getting wonky. Um, for folks just listening on, if you can clarify, if not, I can help. What is an administrative forbearance? This, what Sabrina just brought up. Yeah, I mean, it's my understanding um, that an administrative forbearance um, is a status that borrowers are put in through the enrollment process into an income-driven repayment uh, program. Um, but the problem, as Sabrina has articulated, is that the communication is just really lacking from the servicers and even even the, the federal government. Um, it's unclear to borrowers why things are happening, what they mean, uh, when, when the administrative forbearance will end. Um, and, you know, as Sabrina noted, borrowers are reaching out to their servicer. They're trying to get this information, but at a time where um, that information is needed the most, servicers are really dropping the ball um, and not providing the uh, service in the servicer uh, to the borrowers um, that, that they are contractually obligated to provide. Um, so it's really disappointing that they did not prepare enough, um, but uh, just encourage borrowers to, to continue uh, to reach out um, and to continue to educate themselves about their options um, so that they can reduce their monthly payment and, and get on a path to forgiveness. Yeah, that's always the fine line we feel doing workshops, doing these radio shows. Paying your student loans can feel very scary. There can be scary things that happen along the way, but we're, we don't want to scare you, even though it is spooky season. Uh, we want to, we want to. It is. <laughs> Make sure it is. And, you know, it's not lost on me that that's when student loans restarted. But it is getting a little better, right? So for Sabrina, you got put into this administrative forbearance, but you're now on the SAVE program, correct? Right. And, and my payment reasonable... was, yes, yeah. my payment is reasonable and I'm able to make my payment and my dad is able to make his payment. Um, but I know that for a lot of folks, it, it might be tough. But again, there are options out there available. And one thing that I think we should definitely talk about, which we haven't really on this segment, is what's going on with student debt cancellation. So mm -hmm. Natalia, I want to toss that to you. <laughs> uh, so the fight is not over. I just want that to be very clear. On the day that we lost in the Supreme Court, and we've talked about it on this show, President Biden came out and said that he was enacting Plan B, uh, which is negotiated rulemaking process for the HEA, the Higher Education Authority. And so what that is, again, this is a big wonky uh, radio show, obviously, but what that is, is there was a process of public comment and now we are into a rulemaking process where a bunch of people are coming together to debate how we should cancel, cancel how, how we should do cancellation. And we are hoping to get the new rule sometime early next year. The, <clears throat> the next uh, NEGREG, begins next it's next week right Spencer 
That's right. And there's opportunity for people to make their voice heard. Um, you're, you're absolutely right, Natalia. This fight is not over. And you're, the opportunity to make your voice heard is also not over. I know we have spent as an organization a lot of time informing and educating borrowers about the return to payment. And for good reason, you know, it's really urgent and borrowers need that information. Um, but borrowers have to know, because um, I know it's really important for me to remember that there is still hope, um, that we are still putting pressure on the administration and that you can still make your voice heard um, and, and encourage the administration to provide as much relief as possible to as many borrowers as possible, because all the things we've talked about today are not enough. We need big structural change to this system to end the student debt crisis. Absolutely true, Spencer, and snaps to that. Um, and I think that's fundamental to our core beliefs that we want to help student loan borrowers where they're at right now so you can be in that zero dollar payment so you can pay as little as possible while we the collective we all of the great <clears throat> organizations fighting for cancellation fight and win cancellation but in the meantime why waste any of your money so we you know hope that if you can take anything away from this show today, go to studentaid.gov, look at the options you have for repayment, know that there are great folks, you know, on this radio show and out there in the ether that are fighting for you for student debt cancellation. Um, I really appreciate both of your insights, Spencer and Sabrina, and especially Spencer for breaking down those super wonky things of parent uh, consolidation. So. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Natalia Abrams, joined by Sabrina Calazand and Spencer Dixon. We are Student Debt Crisis Center, and this is the Leslie Marshall Takeover.